What is up, everybody? This is Adam. Welcome back to Fouled Out. Matt is going to be joining me in just a minute to talk conference championship weekend in the NFL. I cannot believe we only have three NFL games left until the end of the season. But before we start, I wanted to talk about the Patriots hiring Bill O'Brien to come back and be their offensive coordinator. I'm irrationally excited about this move. Uh, One, mostly because I don't have to deal with Matt Patricia as my offensive coordinator ever again. It was a horrible, horrible mistake from the beginning, and it's good to see that they corrected that as move number one of the offseason. Number two, Bill O'Brien was the offensive coordinator for the Patriots for one year in 2011, one of the best Patriot offenses in the entire dynasty, and a super underrated Patriots team that actually made the Super Bowl and lost to the Giants. But that season, Tom Brady threw for over 5,000 yards back when that was still an accomplishment in the NFL. Wes Welker set the franchise record for most yards from scrimmage for any player. Uh, and Gronk had one of his best seasons having over 1,300 yards as well. So like Wes Welker, 1,600, Gronk, 1,300. Bill O'Brien's a good offensive coordinator, man. He's a coach who gets a lot of shit for his stint in Houston. And not even because of the coaching as much, but more because of uh, his actions as their GM, since he was the GM slash coach which is a title that you should never give to anyone in any organization not named Bill Belichick. Like having your coach also be your general manager is typically a massive conflict of interest because the general manager has the long-term health of the organization as their primary responsibility and the coach is the one that's trying to win now. So Bill O'Brien made a lot of win now trades that ended up being really, really bad ones for the Texans, Uh, but he's not in that position in New England, he just has to come and coordinate an offense. And I think that he's going to do a hell of a job. The last thing the Patriots need to do, or the next thing they need to do this off season is that no matter who the quarterback is, whether it's Mac Jones or someone else next season, uh, they're going to need weapons to throw to. So I want to see Bill go out and add that big piece and I'll start getting really excited for next season. But before we get to next season, we still got this season to talk about. We got three more games, including two bangers this weekend. Matt and I are going to break them down for you next. Let's go. We are back. Matt is joining me to talk about the conference championship weekend in the NFL. Matt, before we get started, I have to warn you, I am on one today. (laughs) After a four and two wildcard weekend, I promise the people I said on the podcast last week, people, we will be better this week. It will be better than four and two. And it was a perfect four and oh last weekend, (laughs) a beautiful weekend. 4-0 on the gambling picks, 4-0 on the regular picks. What a weekend. I'm ready for the next one. Like I said, the only one that I missed was the Bills, and we were both pretty, like, tipsy-topsy on that one. We were kind of going back and forth a little bit. But, yeah, with that one, fool me once on Joe Burrow. (laughs) Not going to fool me twice. Fool me twice. (laughs) Fool me chicken soup with rice. Yeah, I, Josh Allen was not good this past no, weekend. Uh, in fairness, neither was the rest of the team. Like, holy shit. They did not show up. They were extremely flat from the opening yeah. kick. And also, like, 
this is going to sound really bad and really mean, but I'm going to say it on the podcast mm-hmm. anyway. I there was a certain degree of like karma to me to them losing <laughs> because yeah. the Bengals are up 17 seven and they're driving mm-hmm. and that like the Buffalo Bills decided to wait until that moment to show Demar Hamlin on the big screen because he was in one of the boxes and they're like, Hey, everybody get excited. Demar Hamlin's here. And I'm like, okay, it gets to a point where I feel like you're kind of exploiting the tragedy and it's like, Oh yeah. So just anytime we need to like hype up the crowd, we're going to, you know, we're going to show this guy. And I just, I, it felt weird to me in the moment when they did it. And I was like, it just, I don't know. I didn't like the way they handled it. It felt weird to me. I obviously was not there because I am just never going to be in Buffalo in winter uh, amongst other reasons. But I have a hard time believing that that was the first point in time that anyone who wasn't like with the Bills knew that he was there. Like, I feel like that was just something that they, well, yes, they used to their advantage and wisely so because it worked in that moment in time. But I I mean, I, I don't know that it was like a secret that he was there to, to the fans. No, it's not so much that they were like keeping it a secret. It was more just yeah. like, Oh, it just felt weird. It was like, Oh, we yeah. need to get the crowd hyped up. Like let's, yeah. Show him again on the Jumbotron. Let's do the whole it just felt weird to me. It felt like a forced, like, oh, it this there's no yeah. energy in this building because there's yeah. no energy on the field. So let's force right. it. Let's go. Well, I mean, I mean, what are you gonna just just do? Just lay down? <laughs> I mean, that's what they did anyway. <laughs> they, so they did it after that, but I felt like it was weird during the game. Uh yeah. and now we're we're in one of my favorite weeks of the year, yeah. the week I like to call excuse week. For the Buffalo Bills, <laughs> where <laughs> they lose yeah. yet another playoff game with Josh Allen, uh, and we get to hear all the Buffalo Bills fans' excuses. It's been a great week. I enjoy the Buffalo Bills getting eliminated from the playoffs every year uh, because that's what they're do. They're the Buffalo Bills. They're losers. They've always been losers, and they always will be losers. I don't care who their quarterback is. Does it hurt that you lost twice to losers? No, we'd we're still coasting <laughs> off of the fact that we had the greatest twenty year run in the history of sports uh and six rings to go with it. Fair. They do. I mean, they yeah. they beat our asses and they talk a bunch yeah. of shit about it uh every time for the last couple of years. So that's where my enjoyment comes from of watching them lose. Have have you seen how they tailgate? What are you expecting? Mm. I, I apologize, <laughs> Buffalo fans that had to sit through that segment. But I, if you listen to the podcast, you know, I'm a huge Patriots fan. I wasn't just going to let you lose with dignity. Not what we yeah. do here. Yeah, I I will say, and I really hadn't thought about this until after the game. But the fact that they came out flat in retrospect isn't entirely surprising to me because of how much drama has surrounded this team all year long, like even prior to DeMar Hamlin. I mean, it started out with uh, the punter that they drafted with all that, right? And then, I mean, 
they lose a leader on their defense and like a hide to a pretty bad injury. Um, and obviously like injuries are part of it, but there was just like always something that popped up all year long. And then DeMar Ham- Hamlin happens. And obviously like that cuts deeper than anything else, but there was just always something that was putting that, that team in a position where there was extra stuff that they had to deal with. And like that's part of the job, right? Like it's not an excuse. You still need to handle your business when you're between the lines. And at a certain point, like it's natural to just run out of gas. And I think that might've been what happened. This is all really, really good content for Buffalo Bills excuse week. (laughs) (laughs) Go on Buffalo sports radio and start saying the same thing. Uh, my, my opinion is they lost to the better team. Uh, I picked the Bengals last week because I thought the Bengals were better than them. Mm -hmm. Uh, even with the O-line issues, I was definitely nervous about that last week. Yeah. But the Bengals are a better, deeper team. Uh, and I honestly like that game that got canceled Mm -hmm. because of the DeMar Hamlin injury, the Cincinnati was going to win that game. And I think that that would have really changed a lot of people's opinions on maybe the playoff game, I think. Yeah. Um, or at least to like see since he play them so close. There is no right. way in hell that game should have been a five and a half point spread. Going yeah. into, it was I was always wrong. And if we would have had that right. extra game, it yeah would have never been that way. And we didn't have all the data. So um and like I'll say like I'm disappointed in Sean McDermott in that game. Because we talked about how they needed to run the ball and they never even tried. As disappointed as I am in Buffalo Bills and their coaching staff and their play calling, uh, yeah. I'm again, I find myself leaving a Bengals game impressed by Bengals defensive coordinator, yeah. Luana Rumo. Mm-hmm. Shut down the Buffalo offense. Josh Allen looked like shit. Pair that with what he yeah. did to Patrick Mahomes last season. Like, how is this dude not a red hot head coaching candidate? They haven't even heard so... his name mentioned in any jobs. Let's stop talking about the teams that lost and did not make the conference championships because we have two absolute bangers of conference championship games to discuss. Uh, We're going to start with the early game on Sunday, the 3 p.m. game, the San Francisco 49ers at the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles currently favored by two and a half points in Philly. Matt, usually when we do these segments for the last couple weeks and the last couple years, I make a pick before we come into the segment. And then we talk it out. We do the whole thing. Yep. And then at the end, we make a pick. I have no idea who I'm going to pick at the end of this segment. I have a slight lean, but I am very much undecided. It feels right that these two teams are here. I mean, honestly, you look at this whole weekend and the weekend feels right. Like these feel like the four best teams in the NFL. This game in particular, I feel like really what we're looking at this weekend is like, these are like the two deepest teams in the NFL. Like they have the best rosters, the Philadelphia Mm -hmm. Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers. And then in the AFC, we're looking at like an all time quarterback showdown. Yeah. You know, which we'll get there and we'll get to why it may not live up to the billing, but these two teams are just so good as holes Mm -hmm. that 
just looking at it on a surface level, I'm like, oh, God, I don't really know where to go with this one. You know, and it, it might sound a little bit silly with Hurt scoring three touchdowns last week, but both of these teams won their divisional round games without having to rely on the quarterbacks for all that much. Yeah. Like Jalen Hurts did have three touchdowns, but he only had an 186 total yards. And then Purdy didn't even have to score a touchdown in what was a defensive slugfest against Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're both teams that are predicated on the run game. I mean, for me, like that doesn't necessarily make for a boring game because I I like watching that like tactical battle of trying to figure out like where is the chink in that defensive scheme that they're running this week. It's it's certainly not what the NFL thought people were looking for uh, when they really started supporting the like 42 to like 38 point games. Yeah, it's, it's a good reminder that low scoring games can be good football games too. Yeah. As long as it's not low scoring because it's like super sloppy and like really an ugly game. If it's low scoring because both teams are playing really good defense. Yeah. That can be really entertaining. And I, I'm partial to saying that that's what we're going to see this weekend. The over under is 45 and a half right now. Mm-hmm. It's, pr- it's pretty low. I'm kind of leaning towards the under though. Yeah. Because these defenses are that good. And I, I don't know that I fully trust either of these quarterbacks in this game. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think Purdy looked amazing last week against Dallas's defense that um, credit mm-hmm. to the Cowboys. They did a lot of things wrong, but the defense played well. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> and then, like I said, Hertz, I mean, didn't have to do a ton. He didn't have to be Superman for them to steamroll the Giants because, uh, yeah. like I mentioned last week, the Giants are not a great football team even though they got really gassed up before Philly just steamrolled them. This is where I'm torn. Purdy didn't look great last week. We finally saw him kind of start to look like a backup quarterback a little bit. Not as dramatically as some were maybe expecting, but he he definitely came back down to earth. I have a hard time believing that that gets significantly better, at least in the passing game, uh, against this Eagles defense because their secondary is light years better than Dallas's, in my opinion. Yeah, and, Philly defense, number one in pass yards allowed per game and number yeah. one in defensive pass DVOA. Yeah. So best pass defense in the league by a long shot. Yeah, I mean, you got Darius Slay and... Chauncey Gardner Johnson out there. Like, if you've got a, a young quarterback that's maybe not entirely sure of himself or thinks he's seeing stuff that he's not, like, I just don't like that against this secondary. And the other side of this is we saw exactly what I expected out of this 49ers offense last week was. They didn't look great early. They struggled to move the ball. And as Kyle Shanahan does over the course of the game, he 
keeps at it. He figures out like what we're seeing from the defense on the other side of the ball. And like uh, once they started moving the ball, they were moving the ball. Like Dallas didn't have an answer answer for it after like halfway through the third quarter. If we're in a close game, like that could be the difference. Realistically, what's going to come down, this game is going to come down to is probably which quarterback makes the mistake. My big concern for Philly in this game is that while they are the number one pass defense in the league, they are number 20 against the rush uh, and they're 21st in rushing DVOA. On the other hand, like you have from a counting stats perspective, a 49ers defense, that's almost Mm -hmm. the exact opposite. Second against the rush, 20th against the pass. Yeah. Uh, DVOA paints a different story with the 49ers. It says they're number two against the run, number five against the pass. So that's a pretty big gap from the counting stats saying you're number 20 against the pass to the DVOA stats, the advanced stats saying you're actually the fifth best team against the pass. (laughs) I mean, that's a big jump. And this is why people get a little skeptical with DVOA. I mean, ultimately, though, I think it's the running game against the four. I think it's the running game of the 49ers against. You know, what is seemingly the Achilles heel of Philadelphia with their rush defense? Mm hmm. Can you force Philly to put more guys in the box? Can you force them to run blitz a little bit more? Maybe open up some play action shots for Brock Purdy against this really good secondary. On the other side, like which San Francisco 49ers secondary is going to show up? Uh, Am I going to watch like the number five against the pass in TVOA or am I watching number 20 against the passing counting stats? Because Philly's got some weapons, man. And that passing offense in Philadelphia, I think, has been a little underrated this season. Yeah. Uh, the 49ers corner Traverius Ward has been one of their best de- players on defense this year. But if you watched him in any of the Seattle games, he got bullied a little bit by DK Metcalf. Uh, and you're going to have to cover a dude this weekend in AJ Brown, who, while he's not as big as DK Metcalf, may even be more of a bully. Yeah, he's at least just as aggressive. Yeah, so that number 21 against the rush, though, really makes me nervous for Philly because Kyle Shanahan offenses uh, are primarily based on the run. Like, they're a run-first team, and they're going to try to create shots. And with what they do with, like, Debo Samuel in the backfield, Christian McCaffrey going out all over the place, like, all Mm -hmm. this flexibility that the 49ers have, I don't know if a traditional pass stopping secondary matters as much against the 49ers as it would against almost any other team in the NFL. You will be correct. If Brock Purdy doesn't make the mistake and turn the ball over. If he turns the ball over, then that, that trade off for Philly is a hundred percent worth it because getting an extra possession with the offensive weapons that you have. Yeah. That's worth sacrificing some field position. Yeah. So this is what I'm going to be watching for is like how the game goes early in the game, because the game flow could tell us a lot about what's going to happen. If the 49ers can get up early and start pounding the ball, really using that running game, draining some clock. Mm -hmm. That's a much better situation for Purdy rather than like, Oh shit. If you get down 14 and now you have to throw, against that secondary 
that's where I start getting really nervous about like, okay, now Brock Purdy is doing like, we're not going off play action and running all these crazy screens and all that stuff. We got to start throwing downfield against the secondary with a rookie quarterback who like as good as he's been, he is a rookie quarterback playing in the biggest game of his life. Yeah. That makes me really nervous for the 49ers as well. Yeah. Against essentially an all-star secondary. Yeah, so I'm going to be looking at like who gets up early because both these teams want to dominate with the run. So if Philly, like if the 49ers pass defense doesn't play up to that DVOA ranking, I I could see Philly getting up and I could see it being a really tough day for Brock Purdy. Yeah, and on the other side too, it's like, God, the 49ers run defense is really good. But if there's one thing that can break down a really good defense and a really good front seven. It's a rushing quarterback. Yep. And man, like we don't have any data on how the 49ers are going to handle a running quarterback. They played the bears and Justin Fields all the way back in week one in a freaking typhoon. Yeah. And then they played the Cardinals twice this season, but Kyler Murray didn't play in either of those games. So I went back and looked at all the games and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, like Trace McSorley doesn't really count. Colt McCoy is not a rushing quarterback. Uh, can we find one? Um, and even if they had played Kyler Murray, they don't really use him in the running game to the same extent that Hertz is used. The, the only real comps are Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson. Yeah. And we don't we don't have enough data to say how they handled either of those guys. So that's something that's really interesting. I mean, in my opinion, if I'm the 49ers, I, I think Hertz looked a little tentative last week running the ball, a little timid. And maybe it's because he didn't really, like I said, he didn't have to be Superman. And that shoulder is still healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I'm the 49ers, I'm like, dude, I'm hitting this guy. Every single play, you know, whether he's passing, whether he's running an option, like even if it's one of those situations that you see in college where I'm like, dude, even if this guy hands the ball off on the option, hit him, hit him every single play, knock him down, hit him like legally, obviously. Yeah. But I'm being as physical with Jalen Hurts as I can in this game. And like, we're really going to see how that shoulder holds up against some of these dudes. Uh, but then on the other side, for if I'm the Eagles, I'm like, okay, I'm selling out to stop this run game. Mm-hmm. And I'm daring Brock Purdy to beat me. I'm putting as yeah. many guys in the box as I need to to stop Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and all those guys coming out of the backfield. And you proved to me, Brock Purdy, yeah. that you can beat uh, CJ Gardner, Chauncey Johnson, whatever his name is. He's got yeah. like seven names. Uh, and Darius Slay. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about how good the 49ers weapons are that is largely from a depth perspective though when i look at their wide receivers i don't see anyone there that i'm worried about darius slay with like (laughs) darius slay has shut down better wide receivers than anyone that they have it's more just like there's so many options that eventually like one of them's going to be open because you can't have that kind of depth on defense. Yeah, it's it's the array of weaponry 
It's like the fact that you can have all these versatile yeah. guys all on the field at the same time and you can do so many different things with them is what makes them really scary. But like, yeah, one-on-one, mm -hmm. -on -one, you know, Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle might be their best receiving weapons. Yeah. Uh, I did a podcast with Greatest Games Never Played earlier this year where we had to redraft all of the wide receivers from Debo Samuel's draft class. Mm -hmm. And we're looking at it and we're like, okay, the top three are AJ Brown, DK Metcalf and Debo Samuel. Who do you want? Number one out of that group. Um, and I honestly, I went with AJ Brown because I was like, I would take Debo if I knew I had like a versatile, uh, kind of offensive coach, like Kyle Shanahan, like someone who's mm -hmm. going to be really creative with him and you use him in all these different roles. But if I'm talking about like, I just need a receiver. I need a dude who's just a threat all over the place i i think aj brown is that dude and i, I think we're going to see that in this game like yeah. aj brown is a tough cover and could have a big day against the 49ers yeah. uh, i'll be honest even if i knew i had a kyle shanahan calling the plays for me i'm still taking aj brown and it that's not like a shot against steve because he is like special in his own right but it's really hard to find even 90% of A.J. Brown. You can find various guys that are 90% of Debo Samuel because every year there's guys coming out of the draft that just need to get the ball in their hands, but they can't really run great routes. Like you can, there's always guys that are just weapons that aren't going to be special on his level but like they can fill that role in the offense this is the thing about these offenses though is like i agree that philly has a good array of talent at the mm -hmm. skill positions as well but like say we're doing a skill position draft where you have the players from the eagles and the players from the 49ers i think we both agree that aj brown would be the first pick yeah but then how many picks are you going until you take the second eagle? Uh, Possibly three. I, I would say at least three. Debo, yeah. Christian McCaffrey, and George Kittle. Yeah. Uh, and then there's an argument between like, okay, is it Devontae Smith or Brandon Ayuk with that next pick? So like, yeah. yes, while the Eagles have the best weapon, the mm -hmm. 49ers have the next three or four. And it's like, what, what? happens in this game is it like can the one and not like Devonte smith's not a good player but like is the one guy enough with those other guys it's just it's such a yeah. good game <laughs> it's such it, a good game i'm so excited it is and in a way like how this game plays out is also probably going to have a large impact on how other teams approach their offseason because if the one guy truly is what works, then there's going to be a lot of teams selling out to get that one guy. Yeah, we, we talk a lot on this podcast about how the NFL is a copycat league. Yeah. I think on the other side, if the 49ers win this game, do we start hearing all the stories about like, oh, who could be the next Brock Purdy in this draft? Like, who's the quarterback that could go in the sixth, seventh round? Who could lead his team to a Super Bowl, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's going to be really obnoxious.
that happens every year. And I blame the media, but also us for like allowing <laughs> allowing the media to realize that this is profitable uh, for them to do. Because now we have to listen to it forever. But yeah, that that is very much a thing. And we have to listen to ESPN and all these other places come up with really obnoxious headlines. Yeah, I blame Tom Brady. Uh, one, because everything is Tom Brady's fault from the air coming out of my tires in the winter to Brock Purdy believing that he could even be an NFL quarterback after being drafted in the seventh round. But also, yeah, like Brady was the first. Brady was the original. He was the late round pick who became the goat. Like he's the guy that's like inspires hope for all the sixth and seventh round picks out there. So it's obviously Tom Brady's fault. I mean, we we know everything is Tom's fault. Mm, everything. Uh, enough with the foreplay and the analysis. Who is going to win the NFC Championship game this weekend? I think I'm going to go with the Eagles. I just can't shake the issues that come with a quarterback that is a little bit rattled. Um, and not that that can't end up being Jalen Hurts, right? because he did not look good in the playoffs last year, and this is a major step up from what he went up against this past weekend. Uh, So he may very well revert back to that. We don't know. Um, But rookie quarterback, biggest game of his life, didn't look great against a Dallas defense that, while very good and played very well. I do not think it's as good as the defense that he's facing this week, especially the secondary that is extremely talented at taking the ball away. I'm just trusting that Jalen Hurts, having been in a playoff game before, is going to handle it a little bit better and not be the guy to put the ball on the ground or into the defender's hands. I could very easily be convinced to go back the other way on this, but given that I have to make a decision, uh, I think that's it. Okay. I'm not going to try to convince you to go the other way, but I I am going to pick the 49ers. Listen, I believe in DVOA. I come on this podcast all year talking about like advanced numbers that a bunch of nerds made up. <laughs> I pretend to understand. <laughs> and I, I like, we spout this all year. We look at this, we went back and we did like, okay, who's fake, who's real, who's a real contender. And we did it all based on DVOA. That yeah. was like a whole episode of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And if I look at DVOA, the 49ers are very good against the run and the pass. The Eagles are very good against the pass, but not good against the run. The run game seems to have been their Achilles heel this season, defending the run. And that is not a situation I want to be in against Kyle Shanahan and Christian McCaffrey. It's just not. I think Kyle can scheme up enough stuff in this game to make it so that Brock Purdy's not going to be put in a situation where he's going to make the really bad throw. Mm-hmm. And I also like, we didn't talk about this a ton, but 
you know, we talked about how Jalen Hurts could break down the 49ers defense. Well, you know, the number two thing that helps is to have like a really good, really athletic tight end. So like, yeah, yeah, a rushing quarterback breaks down a defense. But like we saw that while a lot of other stuff wasn't working against Dallas last week, George Kittle continued to work. Yeah. Um, And he he looks, you know, I gave him a bunch of shit earlier this season for maybe being a little bit over the hill. Um, but he's starting to look like the George Kittle of old and that terrifies me if I'm any other team. So, yeah, um, I think, I think that's a a fair argument that when he is true to form, he is the one other player in this game that can rival AJ Brown as the best weapon. I think you could argue Christian McCaffrey as well because of the versatility, the versatility, but man, like just the, the level of explosion that George Kittle brings at tight end is only matched by one other player in the NFL. (laughs) Evan Ingram. Um, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) If I'm the 49ers, I'm looking at this and I'm saying this is the game that I traded for Christian McCaffrey for like I needed this explosive weapon out of my backfield, this perfect Mm -hmm. fit for Kyle Shanahan's offense, because I need to be able to beat this team that has an elite secondary and is not so great against the run. Like Mm -hmm. this is the CMC game. If this is not the CMC game, then I wasted all of those picks trading for him. Yeah, this is his time. I am in support of this. I am wearing my white boy running back headband for the podcast today. Go CMC. I'm picking the 49ers. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't wear my white boy running back headband and not pick Christian McCaffrey. I swear to God, go look at any picture of Christian McCaffrey with his helmet. Oh, yeah. off. He has the same headband. He's a, yeah. He, he literally does. We're headband yeah. bros. All right. So you're, you're on the Eagles. I'm on the 49ers until uh saturday when we text each other and i say hey i'm gonna switch to the eagles and you say okay i'm gonna switch to the 49ers yeah exactly it's such a coin flip but um we're on the books but all right game two the afc championship at 6 30 on sunday the Bengals at the chiefs this opened as chiefs minus one and a half uh and i have now seen it as far as Bengals minus 2.5 so like full swing to the Bengals being favored pretty much everywhere. And I see it between 1.5 yeah. and 2.5 right now. So everybody and their mother is on the Bengals this week, partially because of their win against Buffalo in Buffalo, but also in large part because Patrick Mahomes is dealing with a high ankle sprain uh, from the game against Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. My inclination was to pick Cincy. I believe in Cincy. I believed in them last week. I've believed in them the entire playoffs. Is this just going to be one of those games where like over 80% of the money is on the Bengals and Vegas pops out and goes, surprise, motherfucker. We got you. Patrick Mahomes, totally healthy. No worries. Kansas City wins by seven. It scares me. It scares me to be where all the public money is. Like, yep. Typically, when 80 plus percent of the money is on one team, that is not the team you want to be on. No, and 
Vegas got got last week. How confident are you that Vegas is going to get got two weeks in a row? Do we worry about that stuff too much, though? Maybe a little. But there, it's not like there's nothing to it. No, like the NFL is clearly scripted and rigged. Oh, yes. 100%. <laughs> I mean, I think another component is just I think people are overreacting way too much to this Mahomes injury. Like, he's going to be out there with just painkillers swimming in his bloodstream. Don't worry about it. The pain will not be an issue. I get that he will not be able to move quite as easily as he's used to, but I'm okay with Patrick Mahomes being a pocket passer. He can do that. My concern about the injury with Patrick Mahomes is not that he's going to be 50% or 60%. My concern is that the Chiefs can bank on quarterback being an advantage for them in almost every single game that they play. They, in 99% of games, have the better quarterback. Mm -hmm. If Patrick Mahomes is not 100% this weekend, they don't have the best quarterback. Yeah, And now all of a sudden you have a disadvantage in the one area that you can always count on as an advantage. And that makes me a little nervous for them. Right. So for me, like the question going into this game is what kind of approach are the Chiefs taking on offense in this game? Because if I'm them... I'm not coming out guns blazing on offense. I want to keep Joe Burrow on the sideline as much as I can, which is ironic because that is usually what teams try to do to Patrick Mahomes. And I think that they are capable of executing that plan. I don't know if it'll necessarily pay off, but like, I, I think, that's a viable strategy for them and their chances get significantly better in this game if burrow has you know nine possessions in this game instead of 12 it's so funny because like you said it's the exact opposite thing we usually talk about with the chiefs yeah it's usually like like just last week we're like okay jacksonville you want to win this game keep patrick mahomes on the sideline less possessions more variants Blah, 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 blah. And now the Chiefs are in the opposite position. I don't know if Andy Reid and Mahomes can be patient enough to do that. (laughs) Yeah. In this game. I don't. We'll see. I don't know that you think about like the offense. It is kind of set up to ball control. Mm -hmm. They have a very good offensive line. Uh, The running backs are not great, but they're good enough. But You know, you got all these guys who can work in the intermediate with Juju Smith-Schuster and, you know, Kelsey is absolutely lethal in that area. You can do the run the ball on first, run the ball on second, throw the five-yard pass to Kelsey, control the clock. Maybe you get a big play here or there out of Kelsey and like Valdez Scantling and all those guys. Yeah. And then you try to pressure Joe Burrow on the other side and get some sacks and get some three and outs. Like, I... I see it. I see the game plan that the Chiefs fans are dreaming of. This is my thing about the Bengals. 
what the Bengals have done with their offensive line is so smart because the offensive line is so bad that they are completely immune to offensive line injuries because five random guys off the street in Bengals jerseys are just about as effective as the Bengals starting offensive line. So like when you have a good offensive lineman and he gets hurt, it's a huge drop off. When you have a horrible offensive lineman and you have to replace him with another horrible offensive lineman, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Joe Burrow was born in the pressure. He was molded by it. He didn't see a clean pocket until he was a man. And by then it was blinding. So like, I know the Chiefs fans are like, yeah, Chris Jones, we're going to get after Joe Burrow this weekend. Joe Burrow welcomes the pressure. It doesn't matter to him. He can't throw any other way. Pressure makes diamonds, right? Who wears more diamonds than Joe Burrow? Not a goddamn soul. That too. Yeah, so like obviously you want to get pressure. Like you, you never don't want to get pressure. That's I don't think that's really the key to stopping this offense. I think the key to stopping this offense is getting up in the receivers' grills and making them uncomfortable. I will give the Chiefs credit that they have found some young guys that have played rather well for them down the stretch. But am I trusting those guys to do that in this game against Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd? I was actually thinking about this, this the other day. How many teams in the NFL would Tyler Boyd still be the the wide receiver one? I know people say that somewhere around 10. People say that about T Higgins all the time. They're like, if T Higgins was on any other team or almost any other team, he'd probably be the wide receiver one. I'm like T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, (laughs) Tyler Boyd's really good too. They're, They're deep, man. Honestly, like the Lions have practice squad wide receivers that are actually better than anyone that Chicago was running out there at the end of the year. Tyler Boyd would be really welcomed there. Tyler Boyd would be welcome on the Patriots. We don't have to go that far. Um, But yeah, I mean, if you're the Chiefs, though, if I'm making an argument for like the Chiefs winning this game, I'm saying two names. Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. When, when I have those two guys, I can win any playoff game. Any game. Even like 90% Patrick Mahomes, you're always going to have a legitimate shot at winning any playoff game. But I I believe in Joe Burrow. Do I have to do the Burrow thing again? I did it on the podcast Dude, last week. Don't, don't make that sound. Joey Burrow. I no, fucking hate you. It actually wasn't what I was talking about. I, <laughs> okay. If I I said this last week, I'm going to say it again. If you came to me and you're like, you have to win one playoff game. You can have any quarterback in the NFL. You can pick anybody you want. I am going to pick Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow wins football games. And I know that there's like a lot of nerds who sit home and jerk off to Justin Herbert throwing the ball 80 yards downfield who are going to be like, Adam, the tape and the advanced statistics and the blah, blah, blah. 
Joe Burrow wins football games. And people yeah. are going to tell me that's a casual take. But what is the point of football, Matt? I've been told that you play to win the game. The point of football is to win football games, and you have a quarterback who does it better than any other quarterback in the league, in my opinion, in pressure situations. He beat Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City last year. He beat Patrick Mahomes at home last year. He beat Josh Allen in Buffalo this year. He beat Patrick Mahomes in Cincinnati again this year. He wins football games. He beats these guys all the time. He's going to do it again this weekend. I'm picking the Bengals. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still like very new to experiencing winning football games. So I'm coming around to the concept of win. I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's... He's got a lot of... Like when we did our preseason quarterbacks thing, like that he's got what we talk about with Stafford is he's just got the it when the lights are on, when the pressure is on, like he pulls 87 rabbits out of the hat and you don't understand what just happened, but somehow the ball is in the end zone in his receiver's hands. And there's three zeros on the clock. I, like I said this last year, and I'm not saying that Joe Burrow is Tom Brady. I'm not. I don't want us to get this twisted. But for 20 years in New England, I rooted for Tom Brady. And Tom Brady, just no matter what, didn't matter what the stat line said, didn't mm-hmm. matter what the tape said, Tom Brady just found ways to win football games. Yeah. And people came to me for years and said, Peyton Manning's a better quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback. They got big arms. They're mobile Mm -hmm. in the pocket. They blah, 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 blah. We had the dude who won football games at a higher rate than any other quarterback in the league. And people refused to crown him until he won his like fourth or fifth Super Bowl. Don't be a sheep. Don't let people tell you that wins are not quarterback stats. Do not let people tell you that quarterbacks winning games is like not important and like a casual take. Quarterbacks are responsible for winning football games more than any other player on the field. The quarterback position is by far the most important position. We credit yeah. wins to pitchers in baseball. We credit mm-hmm. we credit wins to goalies and hockeys. Hockeys. I'm leaving it. I'm leaving it as hockey. Yes. We play hockeys. We play hockeys. I'm wearing a Boston Bruins hockeys zip up right now. Uh, and I can't even say the yeah. freaking sport right. But I quarterback has the biggest influence on whether you win or lose a football game. Is it the end all be all? Is it everything? No, but when you have a great quarterback who finds ways to win football games, you're going to win more football games. And that's what Joe Burrow does to a degree. Like there's only so much a quarterback can do, right? Um, You put Joe Burrow on a team completely devoid of talent. Yeah. He's not, in the AFC championship game right now. Like there's no way. But Joe Burrow is also not going to be the quarterback of a team that is drafting number one overall. There, there's there's definitely weight to that. And like it's it's exactly why I still say like the Bears should absolutely be considering quarterback. Like uh you if if your quarterback isn't winning you at least six games on their own then 
maybe they're not the guy. Joe Burrow has blown the expectations of <laughs> future drafted quarterbacks out of proportion. And it's going to be like even more added pressure, I would say. Because that's what everyone's looking for now. Is not Andrew Luck, not Peyton Manning. They're looking for their Joe Burrow. I didn't buy in last week. I'm not I'm not making that mistake again. Even though, like, I can look at Kansas City, see Patrick Mahomes, see Pat, uh, Travis Kelsey. Andy Reid's a very, very intelligent offensive mind. Like, there's a reason there to pick that. Also, it's completely reasonable for us to sit here and say, okay, but like really beating Patrick Mahomes four times in a row, that seems a bit, but like it doesn't seem a bit much for Joe Burrow. No matter how you feel about all the takes I just spit out about quarterbacks winning football games, you cannot deny there is something extremely special about Joe Burrow. Yeah. Yeah, the the accuracy stats are off the chart. And same thing at the NFL level. He's led the league in accuracy for the last two seasons now. So, no, I just, Joe Burrow's just so good. I'm not confident they're going to have 100% Patrick Mahomes, which worries me. And, like, honestly, I do think the Chiefs have a Bengals problem. Um, We've seen in all three games the Chiefs get out to a big lead and then the Bengals come back because, one, you have Joe Burrow who can lead that comeback. Two, uh, we mentioned his name earlier, but Luana Rumo, man, the adjustments that he makes with this defense are unreal. Uh, and yeah. I'm excited to see his game plan against Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey this weekend. Yeah, I'm actually really curious to see just what his initial game plan is, because we all know that the general game plan is you play a lot of too high. God damn it. Uh, general, you, you, general game plan? You, you play a lot of too high and don't let Mahomes beat you over top, which is, you know, still a threat even without him running around a lot. But if you are expecting a much more conservative game plan from them, then maybe you don't play that as much and keep more guys kind of in the intermediate underneath stuff. It there, There's a lot to consider there, and I do not envy that position of needing to game plan for that. <laughs> no, it's going to be tough. So you are Bengals versus Eagles for the Super Bowl. Yeah. I have Bengals 49ers, which... Funny enough, when we were doing the preseason picks pod and we had to pick the Super Bowl, uh, I did not pick Bengals 49ers, but I did mention during that podcast, I was like, yeah, I just kind of want to be different and pick like something like Bengals 49ers. So I I should have stuck with that or I should have gone back and edited that podcast no. and just end it there. Um, but it's funny that these really could be the two teams that end up making it after my offhand yeah. comment in the preseason. What do you think is the most fun Super Bowl? Is it the one you picked or is there like a different combination that sounds more fun to you? 
I actually do think that the one I picked is the most fun. Most fun has to involve Joe Burrow. Like, right? That that's that's a prerequisite, in my opinion. Um, especially if Mahomes is, you know, not a hundred percent. Like I I want healthy Joe Burrow over that every day. You know, get the Eagles with AJ Brown. Like I I want to see the bully ball on the outside. Um, but I also wouldn't hate the George Kittle and the the run game equation as well. So Yeah, I I think from an X's and O's perspective, the most fun yeah. Super Bowl is Bengals Eagles. Because we talked about like how the Eagles have an all-star secondary and they're going up yep. against Joe Burrow and the best receiving core in the league. Mm-hmm. But I also thought about this from a narrative perspective. I think narratively, the best Super Bowl would be Chiefs versus Eagles. You have Andy Reid versus the Eagles. Andy Reid left, won a Super Bowl. The Eagles won a Super Bowl without Andy Reid. And now you're meeting in the Super Bowl after Andy Reid was their coach forever. I, I think like podcast and news stations like ESPN and all these guys would have a field day with Andy Reid against the Eagles. Like I think from a narrative perspective, that's the most fun. Uh, but we we're not like huge narrative people. I want to see like the game on the field. I want to have a good Super Bowl. So uh, I think the Bengals present that option against yeah. either the 49ers or yeah. the Eagles. So that's. That's what I'm looking forward to. Well, what I really want to see is Miles Sanders scoring the Super Bowl winning touchdown just so he can hold that over Nick Sirianni for the rest of his life for not giving him the ball. The fact that you think that Miles Sanders would be put in a position <laughs> to win. I said it's what I want. <laughs> I know. Not what's going to happen. You know who was the only running back on the Eagles to not score a touchdown against the Giants? Miles Sanders. Yeah. Because he hates him. Mm-hmm. He hates him so much. Boston Scott, Jalen Hurts, and Kenny Gainwell all ran for touchdowns <laughs> against the Giants. Miles Sanders was nowhere to be found. God. It's amazing. <sighs> I saw a stat uh, right just before we sign off. I saw a stat earlier this week that said that Nick Sirianni was like the coach who added the most points to his team with his decision making this year. Like, and it was, it was like in a measure of going forward on fourth yeah. down and like not kicking the field goal and all that stuff. They said Sirianni was the best coach. And I was like, does that expected points added also take into account that he won't give Miles Sanders the ball ever? Like, is that yeah. a good decision? Um, but with how great Hertz was this season, I guess, I mean, maybe it is a good decision and that's why we're not coaching NFL football. I would argue that you can keep giving Hertz the ball and also give Miles Sanders the ball more. Yeah, maybe Boston Scott didn't need that third touchdown. Yeah. Uh, but that is it for us. As always, Fouled Out can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Overcast, anywhere you get your podcast. You can hit us up on Twitter at Fouled Out Sports. You can find Matt on Twitter at Matador underscore defense. And you can find our videos on TikTok at Fouled Out Sports Podcast. Long name, but you can't miss it. Uh, Matt, my friend, enjoy the games on Sunday. I, I just think a banger, man. Like yeah. we took, we talked about how good 49ers Eagles is going to be. And then you got, you follow that up with Mahomes versus burrow part two after what the Bengals did to the chiefs at home in the AFC championship yeah. game last year. Like 
give me all of that. Uh, any other comments before we sign off? I mean, I can guarantee you that Jose Calderon would definitely give Miles Sanders the ball. There you have it. Jose yeah. Calderon for Eagles coach. But all right, yes. my friend, I will see you soon. <laughs> Later. Bye, guys. Bye, Robin. Bye, Miles.